Rose, and welcome to episode two of the Catholic Passport Podcast. This summer, I had the incredible opportunity of traveling for two months on a solo pilgrimage. I am an elementary teacher at a Catholic school in St. Paul, Minnesota. I spent my summer vacation on pilgrimage in France, Italy, Israel, Turkey, Greece, and Mexico. While I was traveling, I posted updates on Facebook and Instagram, and now that I'm back home, I am continuing to unpack the trip by sharing here on my podcast and adding more content to my website, catholicpassport.com. I have had the opportunity to share some highlights of my pilgrimage with friends and family, and I'm hoping that this podcast will be another place where I'm able to share some of my experiences in more depth. A little over a year ago, I received a few thousand dollars from a generous benefactor. They told me that I was free to spend the money however I liked, and they suggested that I invest it into something that was important to me. At that time, I was shopping for a used car, and I was pinching pennies to pay my rent. A few friends recommended that I invest the money in real estate or stocks and bonds, but I wasn't peaceful with that. As I was praying about what to do with this money, it became clear to me that I wanted to make an investment in my spiritual life. I have always loved traveling, and I had the opportunity to visit many countries while I was in college, but the Holy Land had been on my list for several years, and the timing just hadn't seemed right. One of the greatest perks about being a teacher is having the built-in vacation time, although there are times when it seems like I pack 12 months of work into 9 months of teaching. The months off during the summer have been such a gift. As I looked ahead at my calendar, I realized that the summer of 2018 was completely wide open. I didn't have any family weddings to attend, and there wasn't anything else on my calendar, so I began to dream, and I began to ask the Lord how He wanted me to spend this time. The unexpected financial gift allowed me to dream big. It allowed me to not worry about putting limits on what would be feasible or responsible, but it just allowed me to think really, really big. And as I started to dream about all these places I would like to visit, I started looking for flights. So looking for flights can be a tricky thing to navigate, but I love finding bargains, I love getting a good deal, and I love the puzzle of trying to figure out an itinerary that would be the least expensive. So I just started to kind of put together different flights and look at different layovers and put together this whole list of places that I wanted to go to at some point. And as I would find reasonable flights, I started to kind of piece together this incredibly ridiculous itinerary. But for me, the itinerary to the different pilgrimage spots fell into place because of the reasonable flights which I found. So most people think that an elaborate trip from Minnesota to France to Italy to Israel to Mexico to the United States would cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And it should have, it should have cost that much. But with the help of Google Flights and watching different sales and watching the prices go up and down, I was able to put together this pretty elaborate itinerary. 
It's always kind of hard to know the best time to buy airline flights, but I kept bringing it to prayer and I decided to bite the bullet on the Feast of the Epiphany. I've always been drawn to the story of the Magi traveling from afar, traveling from miles and miles away, following a star to Bethlehem. So I said a prayer on that feast day and I set aside a couple of hours and I purchased 19 flights on different airlines. It was kind of funny because partway through, my credit card was blocked because my bank was concerned about all the different flights that were being booked um, on different airlines, such as Turkish Airlines. And they, they put a hold on my credit card, and then I called them and confirmed that, yes, I did know that all these purchases were being made, and they continued to let me purchase these different flights so after a few hours of careful planning and purchasing flight after flight after flight, I spent a total of $2,100 on 19 flights. I was super happy with that price. Most people can't believe that my itinerary this summer and all of those flights only cost $2,100. I'm still kind of in shock, but it is it is possible to be able to travel abroad on a budget when you don't have tons and tons of money. Another gift was that my itinerary was completely flexible, so it didn't matter if I traveled on a Tuesday, a Wednesday, or a Thursday, but I could kind of craft my itinerary based off of the cheapest flights that I was able to find. Again, that's a luxury that I know a lot of people don't have, but when you are planning a two-month multi-city itinerary, it is possible to adjust your schedule according to the prices of the flights. As I was planning my itinerary, it was kind of comical at times because I didn't really know how long I wanted to be in certain places. So with the Holy Land, I knew that I didn't want to do a two-week quick tour, that I would want more than two weeks, but I didn't know if three weeks would be enough, would I want five weeks, um, would that be too long? And I talked to some other people and tried to look at itineraries online, but I kind of settled on one month. One month in the Holy Land, I knew that was the emphasis of the trip. So any other places that I traveled in addition to that one month in the Holy Land, I considered just a complete bonus. I didn't want to lose my focus on this being a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Um, but then I was able to sort of just craft the itinerary based off of a couple of different factors. So I was able to find a really inexpensive flight from Minneapolis to Paris, and I knew that that would put me in a good location to be able to travel to Lisieux. France has an incredible amount of Catholic pilgrimage destinations, including Lourdes, Ars, Chartres, Paris, but I really felt strongly that I wanted to begin this pilgrimage in Lisieux with my confirmation saint, St. Therese. And so I decided to spend four days in France, focusing my time on Alençon and Lisieux, and just starting my pilgrimage with my confirmation saint. I knew I wouldn't have time to see all the beautiful churches and sites in Paris. I'll save that for another trip. But for this pilgrimage, it was just really pretty clear to me that I wanted to begin with Therese. 
Then I ended up flying to Italy and I spent eight days in Italy. Part of the reason why I decided to spend eight days in Italy was because I have a friend who is a priest who is studying in Italy right now, and he had directed me last year on an eight-day Ignatian retreat, and I had asked him if he would be willing to direct me again on another eight-day Ignatian retreat, and because he was studying in Rome, I wasn't sure if I would do that eight-day retreat in Italy or if I would do the eight-day retreat in Israel. So that wasn't very clear to me in January, but I decided, okay, I'll spend four days in France, start with Therese, then I'll spend eight days in Italy, and then I'll spend one month in Israel. It turned out that this priest and I discerned that the Mount of Beatitudes in the Holy Land would be an ideal place for an eight-day retreat. So he agreed to direct me on my retreat over the phone, but I still had eight days in Italy to figure out. And I, So as I was looking at the dates of my itinerary, I knew that June 19th is my baptismal anniversary, and June 19th is the Feast of St. Romuald. Now, most people have never even heard of St. Romuald, nor do they have a devotion to him, but with the way that Providence had it, I was going to be in Italy for eight days, during my baptismal anniversary, and St. Romuald is buried in Fabriano, Italy. So I flew to Rome, Italy on June 18th, and I drove to Fabriano, and I was able to have Mass on June 19th on my baptismal feast day at the tomb of my patron, St. Romuald. Now, St. Romuald is the founder of a religious community called the Camaldolese. Now, if you've never heard of the Camaldolese, that's okay, but they're a very small religious community that was founded in around the year 1023 by St. Romuald. The Camaldolese are a contemplative religious community in the Benedictine family, follow the evangelical councils of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and they live a life of silence and prayer. The hermitage of Camaldoli was in a wooded mountain chain in, near Arezzo, Italy. And so I decided to begin my pilgrimage in Fabriano. And I spent a few days in Camaldoli in the mountains there. And I traveled to Florence and Siena and then ended my time in Italy in Rome. This was my fourth time in Italy, and as a Catholic, Rome is my home. It was so beautiful to have time in the eternal city of Rome, just being at the root of my Catholic faith, and then to depart from there to the Holy Land for a month. So my time in the Holy Land was such a gift. I began in Nazareth and spent time in Galilee. I traveled down to Jerusalem, and then because I was in the Holy Land during the month of July, I wanted to spend July 16th, the Feast of Our Lady at Mount Carmel, on Mount Carmel. And so I drove from Jerusalem to Haifa, Israel, which is where Mount Carmel is, and I was able to be there for that feast day. And then I ended my time in the Holy Land back in Galilee on the Mount of Beatitudes, where I did an eight-day silent Ignatian retreat. That was an incredible way to kind of um, have a time of prayer where I could process and reflect on the experiences that I had had in the Holy Land and kind of let those graces deepen um, in me before I returned home. 
During my time in the Holy Land, I followed the footsteps of both Jesus and Mary. John the Beloved is one of my favorite saints. We remember in John 19 how during the crucifixion, Jesus entrusted his mother Mary into the care of St. John. So as we study the early church, we know that the apostles evangelized the Mediterranean world. And we believe that John and Mary traveled to Ephesus, and that is where John died, and that is where he is buried. I really had a desire to go to Ephesus and to be able to pray at the tomb of St. John. And Ephesus is not that far away from Patmos, Greece. And Patmos is the island where John was exiled for a few years, and that is the place where he wrote the book of Revelation. And so as I was looking at the itinerary and looking at the map and seeing, okay, how could I get from Israel to Ephesus to Patmos? Is that even doable at all? Um, I was able to find a very reasonable flight to Istanbul and then further south to Izmir, which is also the church of Smyrna in the book of Revelation. So I stayed in Smyrna and was able to travel to Ephesus. I was able to find a ferry to get to Patmos, Greece. And although I had only two days in each of those locations, it was such a blessing to have those as part of my itinerary because, you know, following the life of Jesus and Mary, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of the church. And so being in Patmos, being in Ephesus, it really was um, a deepening of those graces from the Holy Land and, and just such a deeper way to think about the early church and the role of the apostles in preaching the gospel to all the nations. So then, as I was doing my planning, I had to figure out a way to get from Istanbul to Chicago. Um, my nephew was being baptized, so I wanted to fly back to Chicago. And I was looking at all sorts of different layovers, seeing if I would spend a little bit of time in Poland, or go to Lourdes, or go to Fatima. But I ended up finding a great flight that traveled from Istanbul to Mexico City. And so I flew across the world back to North America via Mexico City. I was only in Mexico for a couple of days, and one of those days I spent most of the morning sleeping in the hotel trying to get over my jet lag, but I was able to spend a little over 24 hours at the shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe. And that was just Again, an incredible gift of just really ending the pilgrimage with Our Lady. Her presence was just so strong during the trip as I started in Nazareth and was following in her footsteps and then journeying to Ephesus. But then as I was thinking so much about the good news of the gospel being spread to all the nations, to fly across the world back to North America, to Mexico, the place where she miraculously appeared to St. Juan Diego as a Aztec princess and as this patroness of the new world. And so, I don't know, I've always been drawn to the image of Our Lady Guadalupe, and I've had that on my list of places to go. I didn't necessarily think that it would be top priority for this trip, but again, because of the way that my flights worked, I was like, why not? Let's just go to Mexico as well. And it really it didn't add any extra money to 
to my itinerary. It was just an extra bonus with the way that my flights worked out. And it was such a grace. It was such an incredible grace to be able to pray there and just to be back in North America, but at a place where Our Lady actually appeared and was present to St. Juan Diego. One of Mary's primary messages to Juan Diego was, do you not know that I am your mother? And I think it just was a final, um, just like a, her final words to me as well as I'd been walking with her in the Holy Land of just, again, entrusting myself to her care and letting her um, be be this guiding light that she has been to me for so many years. So then I flew from Mexico to Chicago and was able to attend the baptism of my nephew. And then I flew out to New York because my friend was professing her final vows with the Sisters of Life. And then I flew back to Minnesota. And so my whole pilgrimage was two months long. I had to figure out 56 nights of accommodations, 19 airline flights, many miles traveled in my rental cars and on ferries and buses and trains and taxis. But in the crafting of the itinerary, I just felt like the whole thing came together so beautifully. It's definitely not a pilgrimage that you would ever see advertised with some pilgrimage company, but it turned out to be incredibly personal, starting with my confirmation saint, then going to the site of my um, baptismal feast day saint, and then traveling in the footsteps of, of Mary and Jesus, and then going with her to Ephesus and with St. John to Patmos and then to Guadalupe and then back home. Um, again, it's not the most direct route or the most expected pilgrimage, but for me, it was, it was so much fun. And I, I am a personality that loves adventure. I enjoy flying. I find it exciting to be in new places, experiencing new languages and culture and food and currency. And so for me and my personality, somehow this two-month pilgrimage seemed to make total sense. While I was traveling and would meet different people at various destinations, a lot of them would ask me, well, how does your family feel about you being by yourself for two months and are they okay with you traveling this far? And my parents have been so supportive. I think they definitely wanted to know that I was making safe decisions as far as places I was staying. Like some of my flights, like making sure that I wasn't at a train station at two o'clock in the morning all by myself. And my family was very happy to, to get updates from me but I felt very supported by them and by my friends and really by all of you. I just know that there were so many people praying for me during those two months and I just felt that grace so deeply. I was really incredibly peaceful during the two months. It's kind of funny to travel to so many places and hear so many different languages when I'm only fluent in English. I have studied um, four years of Latin and two years of New Testament Greek and one year of Spanish. So I understand some Italian, 
some Spanish, but I don't know any French, I don't know any Arabic, I don't know any Hebrew or Greek or Turkish. So this whole pilgrimage was quite an adventure with just the whole language piece. But honestly, able to find people who spoke English in every single country. I did use different translation apps, primarily Google Translate, and that can get you pretty far. My approach to this pilgrimage was for a time of prayer, a time of retreat. And so the fact that I really wasn't able to communicate with a lot of people quite a bit of the time during my traveling, it actually forced me into deeper conversation with God in prayer. It allowed me to maintain a sort of interior silence because I couldn't talk with the other people on the ferry because I didn't know Greek and Turkish, or I couldn't talk with the other people on the Palestinian bus because I don't know any Arabic. And so because I didn't know the language of those around me, I was able to maintain this interior dialogue in prayer and an interior space of prayer that really was very life-giving on this pilgrimage. And I do know that I missed some opportunities to deeply understand, you know, some of the cultural differences or the historical realities of the political situation in some of these countries. But for me, that wasn't really as important for this time of pilgrimage because, again, I was approaching it more like a retreat as opposed to a history class. And so I understand that there's all sorts of different ways that people prefer to travel. And for this pilgrimage, for me, I was really confident and comfortable in traveling by myself in order to enable a place of radical dependence on God and of interior silence. There have been many people who have been just shocked that I went to the Holy Land without a tour guide. And those people who have gone on tours to the Holy Land know just kind of the wealth of information that a tour guide is able to offer. I was able to find some podcasts with guides who would explain different parts of the Holy Land from a Catholic perspective, um, and I would see different guides and hear them explaining the significance at different historical spots. But for the most part, like as I was traveling and I would see these busloads of pilgrims and tour guides kind of you know, pushing their group along and, oh, we only have five more minutes here and there. I just found myself day after day, I mean, starting in France and continuing all the way to um, being at the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe in Mexico, I just found myself being so relieved that I wasn't with a group. I was just so grateful to have the ability to travel at my own pace to stay at a location for as long as I wanted to be there and just to, to really rest and, and delve deeply into prayer at those different locations. And I just think that's something that doesn't happen very naturally when you are on a large guided tour. I have been on some parish um, pilgrimages to different spots. The first time I went to Rome, I was with my parish and had a wonderful experience so I see the great value in tour groups and in traveling with a tour guide and with a priest. But for some reason, for this season of my life and for this past pilgrimage, 
I was really comfortable with being by myself as a solo female traveler. One of the hardest parts, though, was finding daily mass. I have attended daily mass nearly every day for the last 10 years. And so that was one of the most challenging parts of this pilgrimage was not being with a priest and not knowing where I would have mass every day. There were a few days where I wasn't able to get to mass just because of traveling or things not being correctly advertised in the bulletins or last minute cancellations. But for the most part, I would I was visiting churches each day and would usually stumble upon Mass. I never knew which language it would be in, so I had many Masses in Polish and Spanish and French and Italian and Portuguese and South Korean and all sorts of languages, which is, it's beautiful. It was this incredible way to encounter the Universal Church, but I will, by the end of the two months, I really was so delighted when I would find um, an English mass, or there'd be a group of English-speaking pilgrims, because to hear the readings in English and to receive a homily in English became just so meaningful, and I was very grateful to the Lord when I would happen upon an English mass, and it just makes me grateful for the freedom and the ability to attend mass in all of these beautiful places of pilgrimage. So now I find myself back in the United States, back in Minnesota, and teaching in my third grade. Though I'm not currently on a pilgrimage right now, I'm so grateful to be a teacher. I'm so grateful for uh, my wonderful school and my students and all of the beautiful families. It has been something a little bit jarring about going back to the rhythm of a very normal work schedule and working Monday through Friday. And I do find myself tracking different flights and looking at prices and making my list of all these places I want to go on pilgrimage. So I am planning to continue traveling. I'm not quite sure when and where my next pilgrimage will be, but I am looking at possibly going somewhere over my spring break in March and then again next summer. So if you could please pray for clarity for that and just really hope that I'll be able to continue to travel to some of these places for my own personal growth in holiness and my own personal um, growth and knowledge of the lives of so many saints, but also as a way to continue to be able to share that with you here on Catholic Passport. I have been kind of amazed by all of the followers on Instagram and just all the people that I've never met before who have entrusted prayer intentions to me. And I just want to say that I'm so grateful that you are following along. And I hope that even if we never are able to meet in person, that my words and pictures can be an encouragement to you and hopefully inspire you to be able to visit some of these places yourself. I have entrusted all of your prayer intentions to our Heavenly Father, and I know that He will continue to provide for you, that He will continue to bless you with grace upon grace. Please feel free to continue to submit prayer intentions through my website at catholicpassport.com, and I promise to continue to pray for you and your family. I hope that you will join me for future episodes where we'll go more in-depth at particular locations. If you have any particular questions about this episode, feel free to email me at catholicpassport at gmail.com and I will definitely incorporate answers to your questions in a future podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. I also appreciate any ratings that you would leave on
iTunes. Thank you so much and God bless. I've had a taste of heaven, a glorious encounter, and now I'm going after. A deeper revelation of the beauty of your nature, the heart of my creator. Glorious Encounter is used with permission from the One Hope Project.